Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero with JP Ong, finance presenter in the studio, and Jeff Howie, market strategist from the SGX on the phone. It's been a week, actually, it's been two weeks since we last spoke, and markets have actually been a little bit mixed this week. It's interesting, I have to admit, that、uh, Jeff goes on leave. And the market goes into the red. At least it did for a few days. Now, today, though, it is happily in the green 0.04%, which is nothing. But green nonetheless, 3,121 points. That is the STI. How does the rest of the region look, JP? Well, just to be fair to Jeff as well, when you did take off the week prior, markets were also shaky during that time. <laughs> so I don't think you can blame it on anybody on this panel, especially not myself. I am only reading the numbers. But now, today, the Straits Times Index is marginally in the green. But again, gains are very paltry, actually, for the blue chip benchmark. They're only up by one and a half points and inching to 3,000. 121. We do have value turnover improving a little bit. We did see very thin activity yesterday, but today we're seeing about 612 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands across the broader mainboard and catalyst more gainers than losers. About 204 stocks, REITs, and trusts that are in the green, outnumbering the 109 losers so far today.、Um, this picture, a bit、uh, cautiously optimistic, and I know we've、uh, used that phrase like a broken record for the most part, but that is、uh, how, how markets are trading here. Perhaps not as robust. Bust at same markets in Japan today. The Nikkei 225 is starting off up、uh, by 0.6%, while the ASX 200 actually、uh, brushing off the, that, the concerning rise in、uh, COVID 19 cases in New South Wales has prompted some partial lockdowns in parts of the Parts of、uh, downtown Sydney and some of the suburbs around there.、Um, the ASX 200 today has risen by about half a percent. In South Korean Kospi today, also half a percent in the green. The TIEX also trading about 0.7 percent、uh, um, up out in Taipei. And we're also seeing some gains out in mainland China. The Shanghai Composite gaining by about 1 percent. The Shenzhen Bourse also up by 1.1 percent. The Chinese Yuan has also gotten relatively stronger o- over the course of the session after it was revealed. The Chinese banks in total have already stockpiled about $1 trillion US dollars worth of Forex reserves. Now, on one hand, that bolsters also the appeal of the Chinese yuan. And there are some、uh, hopes, at least, that、uh, because the banks have this stockpile, that they, they will be able to reopen and further liberalize and open up、uh, China's financial markets even more to foreign investors because now they're at a stronger or they're coming from a stronger position of strength.、Um, the, we are seeing the Hang Seng also gaining by about 1.2% in today's session. And once again, it's a lot of、uh, a number of factors again surrounding. Uh, discussions, at least, well, out, in the, out in the United States. So, as we know,、uh, the conversation and signs, at least, of a possible debate or discussion about when the Federal Reserve might start to taper some of those bond purchases continues to、uh, influence, at least, market sentiment for the most part. We did hear also about that bipartisan infrastructure bill that was passed by. In the United States, although it was criticized that this was going to be tied to another spending bill as well, this didn't raise the ire of,、uh, of Republican lawmakers there. But nevertheless, at least a part, part of that infrastructure spending plan of、uh, President Joe Biden seems to have gotten the approval of both sides of Senate.、Um, this also another sign of fiscal stimulus, at least in the U.S. And they've also said that they will be able to fund this part of the bill without raising taxes significantly. So the, I think a lot of this also just to helping markets gain so far today. Audience 
Singapore, as we know, industrial production has just been revealed, and um, and uh, uh, on a month-on-month basis for the for 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 May, it actually grew by seven point two percent. Now, this is impressive because most economists who are surveying industrial production were expecting a half percent decline as compared to April. This bucked the trend and actually impressed year on year up by about thirty percent. So um, there, it's not all. There are some bright spots and some uh, and some uh, elements that uh, investors here can take uh, strength from at least. But so far, we are seeing gains fairly tepid for the most part. Um, just worth noting that the top two, uh, the two most heavily traded offers today, and no surprises, is Semcorp Marine and Capital Corporation. After they announced that they are going to, they have now opened talks about the potential merging of some of their offshore marine assets. All right, we bring Jeff Howey, market strategist from the SGX, into the conversation. First and foremost, obviously, the big conversational piece from yesterday was Submarine and Keppel announcing that they were in talks. I love the way this was, was actually worded. They are in talks to merge. They have They're dating. signed a non-binding memorandum. So we're dating with options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What does that really mean? Is, is this more of that... Everybody's restructuring. It's the new black. It is, and uh, I guess in that announcement, the, it, it's with good reason. What we've seen, though, is Semcorp Marine, its share price, it's declined back to those levels last seen on the 1st of February, and its share price was expected to see a greater impact uh, due to this fully underwritten $1.5 billion renounceable rights issue. That will help refinance this, this new entity through to the end of next year, and, and, and it also brings this dilution impact. So we've had the... Um, share price of Semcorp Marine uh, fall today and it does that that Semcorp uh, Semcorp Marine's share price it does have a history of significant moves if you compare its 30-day annualized volatility to say Keppel Corp the 30-day annualized volatility since the end of 29 has averaged 55 percent and that's double that of Keppel Corp at 27 percent and nevertheless I think markets had expected this the proposed combined entity, it will, it will have this more, bigger scale. It will have more capabilities in completing in competing for the big contracts. And it's a very timely opportunity to, as they say, accelerate their pivot to the alternate energy transition, which includes offshore renewables. Um, at the same time, they've maintained they want to capitalise on gas and other production facilities. And importantly, too, as the announcement highlighted, combining talent, the engineering skills and all the industrial know-how. So it can be read. There's, a, there's also a take on it uh, written by Ven in the Straits Times today that uh, the listeners can, 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 uh, can read. But uh, I guess that what's also taken the focus today is the fact that, as JP mentioned, that $580 billion U.S. Uh, infrastructure plan has taken some focus, um, as well as uh, the banks in the U.S. passing mm. their, 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 their stress tests. But, um, you know, all in all, while the markets are ending the week on a firm note, China leading the region for the week, it's been relatively narrow range for the STI this week. I think we're, we're currently we're around 31.20, and that's down seven-tenths of a percent for the week. And it's mostly due to the impact of this uh, currency and interest rate repricing that followed on from the 16th of June uh, at the FOMC. And, you know, I can kind of talk a little bit about that if you want. Yes, please. Um, okay. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> so so uh, for this, back on the 16th of June, when, when the Fed um, had its FOMC, the, the big surprise, um, particularly for the U.S. Treasury market, it was the dot plot surprises, which included 
seven of the 18 members expecting a rate increase in 2022. So those 18 members, theoretically should be 19, but there's um, only six members on the Board of Governors, not the seven, and it also includes the 12 uh, Fed Governors, and that makes up um, what should be 19, but as I said, uh, one less Board member makes it 18 at the moment. But seven of them expected a rate increase in 2022, and that moved the yields on the short-term two-year US Treasuries up from around uh, 0.15% up to 0.27%, almost doubling, while the 10-year yields, after a few days of volatility, still remain around 1.5%. So it basically means that US 2 to 10-year curve has flattened from a difference of around 130 basis points to closer to 120 basis points. And that close to 10% flattening of the yield curve, it's seen banks across the world lag their sector peers Mm. over the past six sessions. So banks... Generally, as we know, they borrow short and they lend long, um, borrowing from the other banks at the shorter end of the curve, um, and uh, which are now higher, uh, and then they lend to customers at the longer end of the curve, which is more or less unchanged. So it, it squeezes their margins a little bit. This is the, the traditional foundations of how banks work with the yield curve. Um, but So what we've seen is globally, the top quarter of banks by market value in the following six sessions... Uh, following the FOMC, they've averaged around 1% declines. While you look at the same cut of stocks for the global industrials, the consumer cyclicals, the healthcare, the tech sectors, they've all ranged from around 1% returns to 2% returns. So there's been this very distinct um, lagging of global banks since, uh, since, since over those past six sessions. And that, all those sector performances, they've been mirrored in the Asia-Pacific. And in Singapore, as you know, DBS, OCBC and UOB, they make up 40% of the STI. They all declined over the past six sessions. They've averaged 2% declines. Net institutional net proprietary outflows have been around $260 million. And what it's meant is it's trimmed their year-to-date return to 18% in line with the um, quarter, top quarter of global banks and trimming those net institutional net proprietary inflows to those three stocks to $1.9 billion. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting to note that today the major three banks of the three of them, DBS, UOB and OCBC, only OCBC is in the green. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And it's and look, this, we, we're going to see a little bit more of this um, because we, we're getting these diversion of individual opinions across the 12 Fed governors. This, this week we had Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan. Mm-hmm. He shared on Bloomberg News his expectation for a rate increase in 2022. That's important. Um, because Dallas, who he represents, will actually be an alternate member of the Fed in 2022. And his expectation is on the belief that the US economy would make substantial progress sooner rather than later. And that was very different, remember, to the Fed chair in the press conference back on 16 June when he said the US economy was a ways away from substantial further progress. So these alternate views from the Fed governors they are expected, and the Fed chair did reiterate on the 16th of June that dot plots, they're the result of individual projections. They're not a committee forecast. They're not a plan. But at the same time, with all this uh, potential for tapering, the chair has made the commitment to provide as much transparency mm-hmm. as, as, it can, as the Fed can give as far as advance, you know, make, make the um, opinions known as advanced as, in pos- as possible. Uh, and to, that gives the market a chance to adjust their expectations. So, you know, alongside this decline in the annual growth rate we're now seeing in, seeing in the U.S. money supply and the Fed balance sheet, 
I guess it would seem the first steps in policy normalisation will include more public projections in the interest of transparency from these Fed governors, governors, and now this will be watched by the markets. So it wasn't a massive reaction um, to, to the, the, the flattening of the curve by around 10%, but the trade-weighted US dollar index, it was just as quick to price in uh, the more hawkish potential. So dollar index, um, US dollar index, uh, the trade-weighted index is, is up around 1.5%, since the Fed meeting, and at the same time, our regional FTSE ASEAN All Share Index has declined around 3%. So, a stronger US dollar is also known to weigh the regional stock market through all these multiple mechanisms that kind of include the added cost that our neighbours have in servicing their US dollar denominated debt. And, and we saw this impact back in December 2015 in the two month lead up to the DEC 2015 Fed rate hike we saw the repricing of the US dollar had seen the dollar index gain 3%, while the FTSE ASEAN index declined 6%. Mm. Okay, now coming back to Singapore, and we have now slipped into the red 0.04% to 3,118. I would have thought with the strong numbers from the industrials um, that we'd be doing better today, Jeff. Yeah, well, we've, still, we've got a very big week ahead of us too. Clarissa, uh, lots of lots of uh, information ahead. But look, as we said, the industrial production numbers they were on a year-on-year basis they were expected due to the low base and the and the resilient global demand. But uh, the big driver in the month-on-month change seems to be the biomedicals, which uh, hadn't really uh, been a, a pillar of the growth of industrial production over the, over the past couple of months. Um, but look, we got a lot we got a lot ahead. We, we, in May industrial profits will be released actually just before church on Sunday at 9.30am. <laughs> that, was, that was up 57% year-on-year in April. Tonight we've got personal income, personal spending, US PCE deflators. Next week on Thursday, the uh, uh, Urban Residential Priority PPI, Residential Home Index. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been strong. Right. Uh, to add to that also, next week on Friday, the PMI numbers are going to start rolling out for Singapore, I believe, at 9 p.m. that date. We've got a lot of PMI data as well to kick off the month of July. And we also have to take note that apparently OPEC and friends are going to meet once again on July 1st to talk about whether or not they will raise output once again. And this might be crucial not just to oil prices, but also indirectly also to the fortunes of the offshore and marine companies here. We've seen the likes of Semcorp Marine, for instance, and some of these O&M players here actually gain ground whenever we saw oil prices improve. And these improved oil prices, especially as compared to last year, might also be playing a factor into why they're more confident in talking about a potential merger, at least with in the in the OM space. Of course, we have to also highlight that both sides have said they are in early negotiations. They're just talking at the moment. But of course, uh, hopes are high, and many analysts have pointed out that if they do merge these two, um, the, 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 they start to merge some of their offshore marine assets. It could actually be a win-win for both Samcorp Marine and Capital Corporation. The latter, of course, freed up also to focus on some of their better growth vectors within that conglomerate okay <laughs> as you, you know as you said all of that all i noticed was oil prices brent crude right now is 75 plus and it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about the fact that it might hit 70 yeah. <laughs> so where will they go now 
after OPEC and friends have that conversation? Well, I think the question now is um, if they start to raise output, is this going to be interpreted as actually uh, 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 widening once again the supply glut or is the global economic recovery going to be enough actually to mop up all this demand? We've seen economies open at a faster clip, a lot of this recovery. Air travel, at least in the West, uh, it has recovered uh, quite handsomely also. And this also one of the big sources for, uh, for demand, at least in oil. And again, this will also tie, once again, I mean, it's, it could be interpreted this time around as perhaps a vote of confidence that, you know what, I think the world can actually uh, stand a little bit more of this oil coming out of the spigots and they'll be able to uh, absorb some of this increased production. And the other big bogeyman, of course, is if, the, if Western powers and Iran can come to a, an agreement with regards to the nuclear Accords. They've both hinted that the talks are going to take longer. But if Iran does come back to the table and are allowed to freely export oil once again and restart some of their oil capacity, this could be um, the more significant uh, addition, at least, to oil markets. Keep in mind, Iran, I believe, is, the, is one of the seven largest producers of oil in the world by countries. All right. Well, we have a lot to look forward to, a lot of information to pass through. We certainly will uh, later today when JP has another Market View update. And next week, as we do every day. This has been Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clores Montero in the studio with finance presenter JP Ong and on the phone with Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.